All right, welcome to Rock Vegas, everybody. It's Glenn Rockney. This week's episode, we're going to do a preview of the Raiders' Week 3 matchup at Foxborough, at the New England Patriots. Raiders get a look at Cam Newton, Josh McDaniels, and Bill Belichick, and Steve Belichick. Have you seen the hair? The hair is fantastic, the mullet. But, yeah, the Raiders are going to Foxborough, and um, it's kind of weird because I remember at the beginning of the year, a lot of fans circled, now that Brady left, the fans like were like, that's a W. They got rid of a bunch of guys. A bunch of guys opted out. Dante Hightower um, got rid of a lot of people on defense. Kyle Van Noy, guys like that. But I, to me, I was like, there's no such thing as an easy win in Foxborough. Not while Bill Belichick is there. It's just It just hasn't happened. And I don't expect that this time. I don't expect the Raiders to go in there and roll. I don't I expect them to roll them. Now, don't take that as I'm predicting a loss. I will get to my prediction later. But what the Patriots are doing with Cam Newton and and what the uh, and what Josh McDaniels he can kind of run these Tebow type plays with Cam Newton, which I think we all can agree that Cam Newton he's better than Tim Tebow. Not a hot take. Nonetheless, let's not get too far into this uh, week preview. I did notice a couple things from the last game, right? I rewatched the last game, the Saints, uh, the Raiders Saints game. Oh, a very pleasant rewatch. Let me let me mind you, but. Um, I think it's it's kind of interesting now that Henry Ruggs is out, right? He's been ruled out this week, and a lot of fans are panicking. But I'm kind of glad he's out because he didn't look right to me. Um, he kind of looked like he was battling something because in Car- against Carolina before he got hurt, really looked like he was, you know, picking up the offense well. Um, they were getting the ball in his hands quickly, letting him run and stuff. But it kind of looked like he was being used as a deep threat decoy in the second game, right? Ted Wynn, right? Great film analyst, uh, Raiders film guy for the athletic. He was showing rugs being open deep and what that does, right? He's just almost like a phantom production, right? Like he's not catching the ball. He's not running with the ball. He's not scoring touchdowns, but he's keeping the defense honest. And I think that's what he was doing last week. Cause it just didn't look right. Right. The connection with Carr wasn't there. Um, it's been said that rugs might be, uh, deep down the field might have a little bit of trouble tracking the ball. Right. I've heard that talked about that's Something he's obviously got to work on. But that being said, the connection didn't look like he was there. So I'm, I'm glad they're giving him a week of rest. I'd rather do it week three than have this be some lingering thing, right? Got enough injuries on this team. You don't want him to linger, right? The Raiders are 2-0. and I think it's a good one for him to sit out. But Nelson Aguilar is going to get his opportunity, I, I think, to start. Unless they go with Zay Jones, I'm not sure what, what we're going to see uh, at, you know, kickoff against the Patriots. But... I'd expect to see a lot of Nelson Aguilar, a lot of Zay Jones out there. But Nelson Aguilar, I think, could replicate Ruggs the most, can replicate the speed at least um, better. And I, I think he's just slightly more polished as a receiver right now, right? Two weeks into a COVID-19 season uh, with no preseason games, I think he's slightly more polished. Ruggs, of course, ceiling-wise, is, is much higher than Nelson Aguilar. But I, I expect good things. I, I called it on Twitter. So I think Nelson Aguilar scores a touchdown. Uh, I think he gets his t- a touchdown against New England um, simply because of the attention the other players are re- will receive. I'm going to get into that a little bit later. But I think the Raiders are really – they're dealing with a lot of injuries right now. Incognito's on IR, right? That's a huge loss. That, to me, is the biggest loss on offense right now is Richie Incognito to IR simply because uh, even though I complimented him last episode, when you rewatch the game, look at the grades, look at the analytics and all that kind of stuff – and just I saw some all 22 breakdowns. 
John Simpson just is not there in pass protection yet. I rewatch it. He's kind of kind of doesn't quite know what he's doing in pass pr- protection. The ceiling's there. I think he's got all the tools to do it. We just can't expect that from him right now in his rookie season. So with, uh, with that being said, I, I really hope that Sam Young plays, right? Sam Young can slide in at right tackle because Trent Brown's out. I don't want to get into that right now. A lot of, lot of hot takes on Trent Brown that I'm, I'm just we'll, – we'll see him. We'll see him when we see him, right? I, that's just the way, the way I, I see it. But Denzel Good was playing right tackle, and I thought he did a fine job. There's no – you can't say that he did a bad job there at, at right tackle. But that being said, I don't think John Simpson's ready at left guard yet. So you want Denzel Good to be filling in for incognito. That makes a lot more sense than, you know, than the other way around. I would, I would rather, even though Denzel Good's good at right tackle, I don't want John Simpson on the field just at this moment, right? So Denzel Good slides back to guard. Sam Young plays right tackle, which he did a fine job when he filled in before he got hurt against Carolina. He did, he did a fine job, and I think that's a much better-looking offensive line. Um, I expect Bill Belichick to try to get pressure with four, um, not a really intimidating defensive front by the New England Patriots, especially with Dante Hightower opting out. But I expect them to try to get after Derek Carr, try to frustrate him. Uh, blitzing Carr is not a good idea, so I expect Bill to sit back in coverage and not allow anything, you know, even intermediate down the field. We all know Waller's going to get attention. But I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what the Raiders' approach is against this Belichick defense. The... Um, you're, you're going to want to – I think I would approach similar to what they did against the Bears last year is what, is what I would go with, right, defensively. Or I'm sorry, offensively against the Patriots' defense. I do – I think you're going to want to – Josh Jacobs, one way or another, is going to have to have a huge game. The run game is going to have to be huge. They're going to have to rush for well over 100, 150 yards um, combined as a team and get rushing touchdowns because I do think – that the Patriots secondary is going to be able to take away a lot of the Raiders weapons. Um, Josh Jacobs is more than capable of doing that in my opinion. And you see what happened in new England last year in the uh, AFC was that AFC divisional game. Yeah. When Derek Henry just ran over them, just ran over them. And I could see the Raiders trying to do that. And they have the offensive line to do it, even without Trent Brown, even without Incognito. Yes, that's they're not going to be able to do it exactly the same, but I think they'll be able to do it, especially if they get Denzel Good back at guard um, rather than right tackle and then have Sam Young out there. I think they'll be able to run the ball just fine against the Patriots. Um, I expect the Patriots to go after Darren Waller and try to erase Darren Waller. We all know Bill Belichick. He's going to try to take away your best weapon. Now, before the week started before I heard Belichick's press conference I was like okay who in Bill Belichick's mind does he think that the Raiders best weapon is and is it Jacobs or is it Waller and to me I thought it was going to be Jacobs honestly but after what Darren Waller did on Monday uh you best bet after and Belichick even before that had said I haven't seen a tight end like Darren Waller in a long time after coaching Rob Gronkowski right so that that's high praise from a guy um, Bill Belichick tends to like overpraise the other team and underpraise his team, underappreciate his team in press conferences. But I, I don't doubt for a second that he thinks Waller is a nightmare out there, and for good reason because Waller tortured the Saints. Um, so what I expect to see is Darren Waller getting special attention. And what I found interesting, and um, I asked Marcus Johnson to talk about this on his 
podcast because um, I was asking him, seeing if he had the answer. And he, he kind of does, but he has his own idea. But he's going to have somebody on and have him explain uh, what the Patriots approach when they try to take away your number one receiver, what that approach is. So what I thought was that, okay, the Raiders are playing the Patriots. And what's going to happen there is they're going to have Gilmore plus somebody else take away Darren Waller. That way we never see Darren Waller. Milk carton, right? That's, that's their theory on that. You, you don't see him. And, I, and I, to me, I, my point was, okay, Jacobs should be able to eat if they're dedicating that much in the secondary uh, to the passing game, right? Not having them come up and tackle. The Raiders spread the ball around. The Raiders don't have a true number one wide receiver. They have a number one receiver in Waller, but not a number one wide receiver. So I thought that would make Gilmore kind of irrelevant. Now, there's a guy, uh, Joshua Dweck, at Dweck Joshua. I don't want to take away his theory, so I want to give him credit for it. So when I said that that makes Gilmore not much of a threat, right, the fact that the Raiders spread the ball around um, and that, yes, they'll give attention to Waller, but I'm not sure that the Raiders are going to go crazy um, trying to feed Darren Waller uh, into that double team. And he had said, I believe that you're that one double, right. Which is what the, what the Patriots strategy is against people's best player when they have an obvious best player in the receiving core. He said that he believes that one double puts your number two corner in the double team and your top corner, someone else, right? So your number two corner plus a safety linebacker or something that double teams Waller, but then you let Gilmore be on an Island by himself against let's, I guess in this situation with rugs out, it'd probably be Brian Edwards, in my opinion, if this is correct. Um, but we don't know. We don't know if this is exactly correct. So I'll be checking out tomorrow's episode of Tape Don't Lie to find out if this is correct. But this is just a question that I have. Is it going to be Gilmore plus, you know, another person on defense dedicated to Waller? Or is Gilmore going to be by himself and then you double team Waller with a couple other people? Interested to see how that works. Uh, but nonetheless, I think it's going to be tough sledding for Darren Waller on, on Sunday. But let's just hope that opens up uh, a lot more opportunities for somebody else, right? for the Nelson Aguilar, like I said, who I think is going to have a big day, big day, or, uh, you know, for Josh Jacobs, Devonte Booker, D- Jalen Richard, maybe some 13 personnel. Let's just load up against them and run. Right. I think the Raiders offensive front is better than the, uh, Patriots defensive front. So maybe just like against the bears game, playing a little old school football, this might, that might get it done. So John Gruden's got a challenge on his hands and, uh, it's going against the best, probably the best coach of all time, right? If you're a Bill Walsh guy, he's second best. But the John Gruden's going to have to find a way to not be tempted to force the ball to Darren Waller and try to lean on other players, which is good because he does like to spread the ball around. Carr likes to spread the ball around. And uh, I think that's going to be an interesting battle to watch. Now, the Raiders' defense against Cam Newton. Cam Newton's been good this year. He's been good. He's back. Um, there were questions. People didn't know. I, I had a feeling if he was healthy, he was going to still be very good. But he looks healthy. He looks healthy. He was, gosh, probably, you know, a couple feet away from win- winning the game at, uh, at Seattle on Sunday night. And a lot of people are really, like, fearful of Cam Newton. He's great and well on PFF. They have him at 82.8, which is a great, great player grade through two, ga- two games. Carr is in the 60s, right, just for context. But they give him an 83.4 passing grade and a 66 and a half rushing grade, um, both really good for the uh, given the position. So Cam's doing it right. Cam's doing it now. I don't love the Patriots' supporting cast around him. Their offensive line's good, but they're going to be missing David Andrews, and I'll get to that in a second. But Nikhil Harry, eh, 
I don't know about that. Julian Edelman's great, but Julian Edelman, I'm okay with him feasting underneath as long as you take away the deep, the big play for Cam Newton, because that kind of seemed like that was what they were missing against Seattle. I think they could have beat Seattle if they were had a just a bit more speed and a bit more kind of dynamic playmakers in the receiving core. They don't have much at tight end either, like Ryan Izzo. You know what I mean? The, the rookies they drafted not doing much either. But Cam Newton, you just cannot let him be that one-man wrecking crew. Nick Kwiatkowski not being there is going to be tough. And now I, I don't hate Raekwon McMillan. I don't hate Nicholas Morrow. I think they're, they're okay players, but I just want the best tacklers on the field for the Raiders because I think that's what it's co- going to come down to is tackling Cam Newton, limiting his big gain, gains, not missing tackles against him, letting him get to the second level. That's what is going to have to happen to beat the Patriots. But even still, I, I like the way the Raiders are tackling right now. I think they're, they're tackling well as a team. In the secondary, Arnett and Mullen, good tacklers. Littleton, good tackler. Littleton had a game last year against Cam Newton. Look that up. Uh, Rams week one at Carolina. Littleton was all over the field. Double-digit tackles, interception, forced fumble. Unbelievable. So we're looking for Littleton to have a game like that again. Jonathan Abram, 22 miles per hour he was coming at Alvin Kamara on that, on that play. Just missed the tackle. He got him a little bit, but he almost squared him up, and that Alvin Kamara's knee might have flown out of Allegiant Stadium. If, if, if Abram actually got to him there, these guys are going to have to tackle. They're going to be disciplined. Um, Cam Newton's not a guy you're going to light up chest high. They're going to have to be very disciplined and mechanically sound when they tackle. Um, so I like that matchup. I, I actually like the matchup against Cam. I could definitely see Cam having success. And also one thing about Cam Newton is he's going to, he's going to gift wrapped one or two throws, like just gift wrapped. Watch him against uh, against last week. Rewatch the game if with uh, Seattle and, and New England, the Sunday night game. He had a couple plays to Quint. I, I want to say it was Quentin Dunbar, where it was obvious staring down receivers. He's looking. Sunday night football did a great, great view of Cam just staring down. As soon as he got the ball, staring down. I, I want to say it was Nikhil Harry, and you, DBs can cheat on that. And I think these Raiders DBs need to get aggressive against him. Get these turnovers. This game is going to have to have some turnovers in it. The Raiders are doing pretty good about not turning it over as long as we catch toss plays, right? Jalen Richard, he made up for it, but, you know, I'm just saying, let's not do that against New England. So if you can limit, you know, your turnovers on offense and get Cam to, you know, gift wrap you an interception because he is, he's great. He's still throwing the ball. His arm looks really good, but he's still prone to making some bonehead plays as a quarterback and, you know, throwing it right at a DB, staring down a wide receiver. So let's get it. I, I want the Raiders DBs to be aggressive in this game. Um, I'm not exactly sure about blitzing. I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of torn on it, right? I like blitzing, right? I like blitzing Cam Newton in this, in this, uh, in this thing, kind of, fl- you know, flushing him out of the pocket, but, but blitzing him and putting some pressure on him. I don't mind that. Disguising it too, you know, Basically, bring Abram down every once in a while, disguise it, make make them really have to know where twenty four is on the field, right? I don't mind that. I don't mind that approach. Um, the only problem is, is when you blitz. I don't want Eric Harris to be single high in the back, just just sitting there isolated because Eric Harris is just not getting it done this year. These young DBs, Mullen and Arnett, have like zero margin for error in zone when they know Eric Harris is back there. I'm not trying to make this the anti Eric Harris podcast or anything, but. Facts are facts. He's just not getting it done. And 
if the Raiders were to win this game, and even if they don't, right, if they want to contend this year, I would hope they'd try to make a move at free safety, whether it's signing Earl Thomas or just going after somebody, making a trade, because the secondary has potential. I just don't like having Eric Harris as your starting safety. Um, nonetheless, another thing I want to see from this defense is Malik Collins step it up. Step it up. This is your third week with the team, and I, I just want to see <laughs> – this is a third game, I should say, with the team. And I just want to see him pin his ears back, get after it. Malik Collins had an incredible game at New England last year as a Dallas Cowboy. He was really, he had a lot of quick twitch plays where he was confusing the guards and the centers, slipping right through them, looked explosive. I haven't seen that from him this year. And with the Raiders' unwillingness to play Maurice Hurst, right, he still hasn't really gotten over 30% of snaps in either game. I don't know why. Caused a turnover, in my opinion. Maybe not caused it. Drew Brees also didn't see Nicholas Morrow, but definitely put the pressure there to make that throw not quite as good. And, I, I, again, get him on the field. Get Maurice Hurst on the field. I, I, by any means necessary, I understand he's not great against the run, but, man, it's, it's just got to happen. So, they got to get it pressure from the interior because you just don't want to have cam newton be able to just run straight up the middle right the edges collapse on him that is if of course the edge rushers on the raiders step up too and start you know getting to cam around the edge you don't want him to be able to just step up and run for 10 12 yards up the middle that's how cam just kills teams kills teams so i think that it's i, I think this that cam is going to be very cam's going to be very tough for the raiders but I don't think that he's quite as good of a decision maker as Drew Brees. Now he can, he has enough arm to maybe make a mistake, but still rip that throw in there right before the DB can get there. So he has that potential, right? But I do think, like I said, he lays it up there for you to kind of get sometimes. And, and it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely something that they're going to have to, they're going to have to plan for, right? These DBs are going to have to be ready for it, you know, and, a big play can be made against Cam Newton. So, um, Patriots are going to be relatively healthy minus David Andrews, right? And David Andrews is going to be gone, the center. That's why the interior defensive line, right? I need to see way more push and way more wins on, in pass rush. Uh, I, I, they got to get pressure on Cam Newton. And I, I, we could say it's a broken record every week. They got to get pressure on the quarterback. It's got to happen. But... <sighs> You can't let him just sit back there. You can't let him improvise too much. He's lethal when that happens. So, you know, one last thing. I, I got a couple questions that I want to get to at the end, uh, a couple Twitter questions. But one thing I found interesting was a tweet from uh, Marcus Johnson from uh, Tape Don't Lie. He's been on this podcast twice to uh, Brilliant Football Mind, somebody I DM often, probably more so than he wants me to DM him. But I ask him questions and stuff like, oh, hey, when you – when this happened here, do you think that was this or this or this? And, and you know, he's usually able to give me a be his best answer there. And I take his opinion over over uh, almost anybody in, in Raider Nation. Pro probably anybody, honestly. So, uh, with that said, he had a very interesting tidbit last night when he was watching the uh, Thursday night football game and how, um, how big of a week week three is for people. And uh, let's, let me take a look. I'm going to put it up here. So this is at the Mark John NFL. If you're not following him and you listen to this podcast, I have no idea what you're doing. But uh, 
He says this. The cool thing I learned at the live classroom at the Senior Bowl is how oh, – sick brag that you went to the Senior Bowl, Marcus. Love it. But uh, is how the NFL teams don't really have an idea of what opponents are doing until week three. Part of the reason why starting off 0-2 is basically the end of your season. It's kind of like seeing Minshew tonight, right? So it's interesting, especially this year, right? Like, because even in years past, they've had preseason and stuff. Maybe something you could pick from film, right? Just when the starters are out there, maybe just something. And teams are norm normally vanilla, right? To, to avoid that in preseason. Like, hey, I don't want to show them anything. But like, look at Minshew last night. Putting up 30 points a game damn near with, with uh, in the first two weeks of the season. Last night lays an egg against Miami, who might be in the top five draft picks this year. Both these teams, honestly. But what I find interesting is, does this apply to the Raiders, right? Does this apply to the Raiders' offense? This is a big game. They can't lay an egg against New England, right? A loss, hey, if a loss happens and it's a close game, it's going to be brutal. But I, being 2-1 and one with a, your only loss being a close loss at Fox, bro, could kind of live with that, right? Could kind of live with that. I think we're all okay with being 500 during these next couple, you know, these before the buy right so that would put you on pace for that that's fine but if the raiders lay an egg right like i'm talking washington game 2017 sunday night football like if Carr goes out there lays an egg if gruden just can't get it figured out you're gonna have to start having that conversation is like hey the first two weeks these opponents didn't quite know what to expect granted the raiders have some continuity so you can use film from last year but you know, it's, it's a big week. The offense has to show something, right? If the Raiders keeps I – don't, I don't expect them to score 30 points, right? I, I think they'll be in the 20s, the mid-20s this game. If they're going to win, I think they're going to be in the mid-20s. So it's just something to see, right? And, and same thing with Cam Newton, right? The, the same thing applies, right? The first two weeks, people don't quite know. But now there's two weeks of film of Cam Newton with the New England Patriots, and you can kind of see what they're trying to do on offense, right? They're not trying to hide anything. These are regular season NFL games these first two weeks. So week three – Let's hope the Raiders have the advantage of kind of figuring out their opponent because you know Belichick already knows what Carr and Gruden want to do. But let's see what's going to happen with the Raiders and, and against Cam Newton with two weeks of film on him now that people have gotten used to, okay, now Cam Newton's on the Patriots, right? Aesthetically, it looks like it fits now. So that's just something to think about. But I wanted to get to some questions, right? Some mailbag questions today. Uh, just a couple, right? Uh, j just a couple. Um, and I thought they were pretty good, right? They kind of involve uh, fan takes a little bit. Some of them involve, like, takes from fans. But I'll address that as well. So the first one comes from, uh, comes from Gus Gare. Gus Gare's been listening to the podcast for a long time. Man. I'm pretty sure he's, he's been down since episode one. Shout out to him and Obi. Him and Obi have been, uh, have been listening to this podcast for longer than anybody else has. And, and it, it's, it appreciate, I appreciate these guys for not... Yeah, I'm getting bored of me, right? It's actually kind of flattering, right? Somebody listening to you for, I think I have about 20 or 30 episodes damn near of, the, of this podcast. I haven't even counted. But here's what Gus Gare says. It's got a three-part question. So I'm, I'm going to go right here. Over or under four and a half catches for Brian Edwards? So this is interesting, right? This, I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say under. You know what? Yeah, that's a good number, Gus. You got me there, damn it. You should work for... Should work for the sports book somewhere or some somebody that makes odds. Gus should work there. So four and a half. I, you know, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna say under, but I think it'll be like four, right? And hopefully they're big plays and hopefully they're red zone targets. Only because I do think that if this guy's right, Joshua Dweck, who had said that in this 
one double scheme that the that the uh Patriots like to do against like an elite wide receiver um is you're going to see Gilmore maybe on Brian Edwards the whole game and that's a that's a lot to ask from Brian Edwards in his third NFL game right no preseason um to to beat up on Stefan Gilmore DK Metcalf did it so I maybe Gilmore struggles against these bigger receivers a little bit right rather than the faster guys but I, you know, it's going to be tough. So, um, again, now if he's not, if Gilmore decides to get in on that package with Waller, I, I think it could go over. So I, I'd like to give you a real answer there, but it's kind of dependent on what the Patriots do scheme-wise. So uh, his next question, let's check this out again, pull it up again. The Do you feel confident Nelson Aguilar and Zay Jones can replicate the deep threat that Ruggs does to keep back the, the back end of a defense honest? Um, I do. I do, because um, I think Nelson Aguilar is fast enough, and, and speed is all you need, right? Last year, last year, the Raiders had no speed. Defenses could cheat up, take away the intermediate routes that Renfro and Waller love, a uh, short intermediate game. Yes, I, I do think that Zay and Nelson Aguilar are going to be able to at least uh, – they'll take a shot early, I think, at those guys, just to keep – just as similar to what they do with rugs, right? Take a shot early, even if you don't hit it, the defense goes, oh, okay, I see you. I see what you're doing, right? So I do think that they're good enough to do that. Now, I actually think there's going to be some deep connections in this game between uh, Nelson Aguilar and Derek Carr. So, um, and, and hopefully draw some PIs. Like Ruggs, that was the best thing Ruggs did last week was draw PIs against the Saints secondary. And I, and I hope he can do the same thing, um, Nelson Aguilar and stuff. He's fast. People just forget how, exa- how fast Nelson Aguilar is. They only think about his hands. And let's hope those hands don't... Uh, you know, rear their heads again. And let's pray for a good game for an Snaggler. I feel pretty good about it. I think he's going to get another touchdown, uh, touchdown week one. I'm calling a touchdown week three. Uh, so Gus's third question here is the Pats are banged up at wide receiver. You think we'd see more Abram in the box to sell out on containing cam? Uh, yes, I absolutely think that I think Abram's going to be I think he's going to be blitzing, not so much being the spy. I think he's going to be blitzing Cam a lot. I think they're going to send Abram a lot. You saw it in the second half against the Saints. Abram was getting whatever he wants. He's got like a pass rush grade in the 80s on PFF, which is really good for a safety. Abram's definitely showing that he's kind of more Jamal Adams uh, as a player. You know what I mean? Maybe in coverage, not quite what you want out of him, and I'm not sure he's going to be that, but he has a box safety. I think he will be an elite box safety um, at that, an elite tackler. Now, when Cam gets you know, past the defensive line, I expect Abram to be one of the first guys there. Again, he's a missile. 22 miles an hour. I still can't get over that. That is a, that's a weapon of mass destruction. That's insane. So the guy I expect to really be spying on Cam is Corey Littleton. Um, you know, only, only because he's got that sideline to sideline speed. Again, a very sound tackler with experience against Cam Newton, had a great game against him last year. Uh, so I think Newton is going to be the spy on him. And like, but I expect Abram to be, Double-digit tackles. Uh, he's going to have to, I think, for, for the Raiders to have any kind of success. So um, the second question, and this one might have a lengthy answer to it because it's definitely a, a culture war that I'm seeing now uh, with, with the, uh, I guess, the, the, car, the inner fan bases of players, right? There's car stands and car haters, right? Um, so this is David on Twitter. David's kind of like me. He's, he's a very pessimistic fan. He's kind of like me. It's tough to get excited about anything because you've been hurt by the Raiders for so long. But I think I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little before David is um, personally. But I, I think we'll get him there. We'll get him there. Win in Fox, bro. David's on board. He's drinking the Kool-Aid by the bucket. 
So um, anyways, David says, when will car fans give car haters credit for the slander during the off season to inspire car this season? <laughs> so this is an interesting question because I, at first I was kind of like, come on, David. Derek's just playing well, man. Derek's Derek's playing well. He's got a good understanding of the offense. It's year three. Most teams don't have this kind of continuity. I think the Raiders are just a little bit ahead of the curve, right? That's my normie answer here, right? That's uh, okay. Here's the thing. Now, I will say, I think that Josh Dubow question that he asked Carr, you know, where he's like, it doesn't really matter, Josh, with the with the the Texas Bakersfield accent that he has. Um, he says. Uh, you know, Josh, it doesn't matter. Da, da, da. I think he's like, I think part of the time when he rips a good throw in there, he thinks of Josh, he thinks of Josh, man. And, he, and he's like, I saw that interview on rock Vegas. I saw it. How about that, Josh? Like, I think he's got a little bit of that to him. I think he's pissed off at the fans. He's got rabbit ears. Derek Carr's got rabbit ears. He hears everything either secondhand through his brothers or firsthand. I think he's, I, I think he sees what we're saying. Even, even if he's blocked you, if you know what I'm saying, I, I think he sees it. Um, Kevin Durant style, if you will. But I will say, I, I do think that some people did light a fire under Carr's ass a little bit, right? But let, let's, let's be real. I, I also think that now the Carr stands, like the people who are really excited about Carr, they're, they've been thinking he's like an MVP player for a long time, and he hasn't been. He was decent last year, de- okay, in my opinion, did some things well. But he's he. It's not wrong when Josh Dubow says that he's a product of what's around him, which is one thing the car stands have been saying. But they use that to say that he's elite, right? Like if he has elite players around him, he's elite. And it's like that doesn't make you elite. That just makes you a quarterback of a really good team that's playing well. And I think that's what Derek Carr is doing right now. I think he's a good quarterback. And you know, at times he you know isn't. That first quarter against the Saints was ugly. If, if, if the protection breaks down, I have no interest in seeing him play. But with good protection, wide receivers that can separate, dominant tight end, great run game, good offensive line, I do think that Carr is a good player and that this is a playoff team. I've been saying this for a while is that, and I even told David this one time, I said, man, if the Raiders don't make it this year with this team and, and Carr has just like a solid season, I'm like even more discouraged by the future of this franchise because – then I think it's on Gruden. I don't think it matters who the quarterback is. You'd love it to be where like, oh, if we fix the quarterback, we're good, right? It's instant, instant back, right? We're instantly back. And then I, I but I would be fearing that, okay, Gruden's got to show that he can win, at least gets with the playoffs with an average player. Mike Zimmer gets to the playoffs with Kirk Cousins, right? They're not good. Nobody says like, hey, man, the Vikings are awesome, especially this year. But, you know, they've gotten to the playoffs, but nobody sees them as a Super Bowl threat. Now, I just want the Raiders to get to that scenario, right? then we can make judgments on the quarterback, right? So I will say that the car fans and the car stands might be a little bit right that he needed more help, but that doesn't make him a great player on his own or an MVP caliber player on his own, like a lot of people are saying. But to the haters, man, the people that are really hating him, I, I'm kind of discouraged when I see that because I, I've, you know, I, I've been very critical of him, vocally critical critical look at my off-season podcast episodes I'm, I'm all over there really on his ass man because he's a quarterback he's the most valuable player on this team just value wise if you look at who contributes to a win the most out of anybody with a helmet on on that field it's it's car like it, it's car so i am critical of him 
But I got to ask you, man, if you really hate Carr, what did you expect these first two games, right? We know what Derek Carr is, right? He's not an MVP caliber quarterback. And obviously they know that, right? Because they, they can't stand him. But how can you be mad at the way that he played? How can you be mad that this is, this is terrible, right? Yeah, you can put him under a microscope and see that he missed some guys deep. Sure. You can do that with a lot of quarterbacks, though. I, I, it's, don't put, I saw people saying like, hey, man, God, I'm watching Justin Herbert play. I wish we had Justin Herbert. Really? I swear to God, if Derek Carr's scrambling on third and one and doesn't take the two yards and throws it across his body late and throws an interception into double coverage across his body, I swear to God, we'd never hear the end of it on Twitter. So I understand that was Justin Herbert's first game, but also the other team didn't know he was fucking playing until five minutes before the game. I'm not even making this about Justin Herbert. I'm just saying, man, what did you expect? Derek Carr, they're fourth in offense. They're scoring 30 points a game. If you value the points per game stat as like an end-all be-all and wins, right? Because to me, I wanted more points and more wins with Derek Carr at quarterback. And I didn't care how it happened. They're 2-0, fourth in total offense. A lot of that's Josh Jacobs, but I don't care, man. I I just, you got to be able, they're winning games with him. So what did you expect? From, from this, what, what stat line, what could you see on film? Hitting every single throw, right? Having a 70, 70% completion rate while ripping it down the field, yards per attempt-wise, that doesn't usually happen. We know what Derek Carr is. He's a game manager quarterback that can make a couple big throws late. He's relatively clutch if you're within one score of a game late. He's relatively clutch, right? When he's bad, he's bad early. Like, bad early and all game. Week two, he was bad early and really got it together once the Raiders got back to their offensive ways and stopped trying to rip the ball downfield, which everybody's begging for. I don't necessarily want to see that. Stick to, your, stick to what you know. I'm happy with the way he's playing. Now, if he lays an egg in Foxborough, I'm going to be the first person criticizing him. I don't have a narrative. I want to see the Raiders win. And if I see that Carr's taking away from the Raiders' ability to win, I'm on his ass. It's happened before. But if Carr's helping the Raiders win, I have no problem with that. So ask yourself, is this about Derek Carr or is this about the Raiders too? Because I thought it was about winning. So until the Raiders stop winning, what's the point, right? They're not winning 13 to 10, right, with some elite defense and horrible offensive play. They're not doing what the Chicago Bears are doing right now. They're winning via offense. I've Marcus Johnson on this podcast predicted that the Raiders are going to come out explosive, and they are efficient they're efficient explosive they're fun to watch they're running the ball well they're throwing the ball well teams are you know people are starting to notice that and I, it's weird to just see this in a, a 2-0 and team like this wasn't happening in 2016 people weren't dissecting Derek Carr like this so until you he gives you a real reason to right win and loss wise points wise um turnover wise he hasn't turned the ball over yet right if he starts throwing picks I'm on his head because that's something in a John Gruden offense you can't do. You can't do it in any offense, but definitely not John's offense. It's not a Bruce Arians type offense. It requires ball control, kind of conservative, game manager quarterback that can make a big throw when he needs to. And I think that's what Derek Carr is right now. So anywho, yes, David, I do think that the car haters are fueling him a little bit. You can see a little bit more intensity. You see the mic'd up. He's intense on the sidelines. He's always been a leader. I think players like playing with him. I don't see people just going, ah, this guy fucking sucks, man. I can't wait to get out of here because of him. 
Mari Cooper, sure. It doesn't seem like they ever had it, but, you know, it is what it is. So I, I'm, I'm fine with the way he's been playing. And I think he did listen to the haters in the offseason. I think he got fueled up by Josh Dubow. I, I, or Josh Dubow, sorry. I, thought, I think he really got, he got heated, and, and it's showing on the field. He's got some intensity, and the Raiders have a good enough team around him to win some games. There's no reason not to. So, again, don't make this whole season about Carr, man, especially while they're winning. So that's all I got this week. Um, as far as prediction-wise with this game, I think the Raiders are going to win a tight game, a really tight game. I got like a 26-24 type feel to this game. I think they're going to give up some points. I think it's going to be back and forth all game. It's going to be sloppy at times. It's going to be explosive at times on both sides, right? I think the defense will give up a few big plays to Cam. It, it happens. I think the Raiders are going to hit a couple big plays too. I think Josh Jacobs is going to dominate this game. I think it's going to be one of those games where Josh Jacobs wins the game, right? Carolina, Chicago last year. I think if they can force a turnover or two on defense, I think they're going to be able to win this game. So that's all I got this week. Looking forward to the game on Sunday. Um, You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Glenn Rockney. Follow my podcast Twitter account, Rare Candy Pod. Rare Candy Pod 1, sorry, Rare Candy Pod 1. Um, I have a podcast, Rare Candy, with my good friend, Crypto Sai, where we talk about a lot of stuff, politics. Uh, this week, was, we talked about climate change and stuff like that. So, again, I don't do my political takes on this podcast. That's for another one. Um, so, uh, you can check that out. Um, no gambling show this week. I, I've been crazy at work, and I really wanted to get this Raiders podcast in. I didn't have time to dedicate to the gambling. I will post my picks, though. Um, sometime before the uh, early game kickoffs. I will post my picks. Um, so you can still feel free to laugh at me for those. Um, and yeah, uh, tell a friend about this podcast. Uh, it'll be up tonight as soon as I'm done here. Uh, this is Friday night, so it'll be up all day Saturday. Nice preview episode for tomorrow. And um, yeah, thanks for tuning in as always. Appreciate your support. Peace.